Hello everyone and welcome to another COVID episode of I Love This, You Should Too. We are recording far in advance because as of today we are on our honeymoon. Hopefully we had to cancel a vacation already. Maybe this one will take. Maybe this one will take. So I'm Samantha Hees and this is Indie Pineapple Drink Randawa and we are I Love This, You Should Too a podcast, and we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. How are you, Indy? Well, if it's in the future, I'm sure I'm doing great. So I'm going to go be future Indy and say, yep, fantastic. How are you, future Samantha? Oh, well, I'm having unlimited sparkling wine and laying in the sun, so I am extremely good. Which is different from here because you're having unlimited sparkling wine and freezing. Yes. So it's very different. It is different. It's a different feeling. Well, this episode of I Love This You Should Too is brought to you in part by the Alberta Association of Optometrists who are celebrating a century of caring for Albertans. And it happens. Many people don't tell their optometrist first for urgent eye care when they need it. From spring cleaning mishaps to winter eye infections, if you or your family have an eye emergency, doctors of optometry are trained to diagnose, treat, and prescribe medications. No referral necessary. And just a reminder that Alberta health coverage is available towards your urgent eye care appointment. And to find an optometrist in your area, you can visit optometrists.ab.ca. The Alberta Association of Optometrists represents almost 800 doctors of optometry in over 80 communities across the province. Members are highly trained, regulated health professionals who provide primary eye health and vision care to Albertans. And if you want to learn more, once again, you can visit them at optometrists.ab.ca. Well, Indy, this is your introduction episode to what we're going to be watching next week. So do you want to tell us what you're really into? What's your thing of the week? Sure. My thing of the week is the classic dinosaur film from the early 90s. And that is, of course, Samantha, what do you think of when you think of dinosaurs, 90s, big movie? Uh, I don't know. Flintstones? <laughs> I assumed most people would say Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was, I was going to do a little joke. You would say Jurassic Park. And then I would say, no, not Jurassic Park, because that's the obvious answer. But you went with the Flintstones, which I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I like to zig when you think I'm yeah, going to zag. That's true. But um, I'm going with neither of them. And I'm going with the 1994 smash hit that not many people saw, Tammy and the T-Rex. Also known as Tanny and the T-Rex. Also known as Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex. And you're like, oh, are those all the titles from different countries? No, those are all the titles that are used in the title sequence for this movie. What? They misspell the main character's name in the title. Well, that sounds like a high quality film. (laughs) So it stars Paul Walker and Denise Richards, who are... Stars. Yeah, they're, they're people. And usually I 
just kind of give you a few things I like about the movie and don't really talk about the movie at all. Uh, today, I'm just going to tell you what happens in the movie. <laughs> Perfect. Just in the first 30 minutes. Okay. Uh, because I don't think you can spoil this movie because it's 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 too ridiculous. Because the spoilers it's so don't matter. Good. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So um, it starts with Paul Walker and Denise Richards. They're both wearing half shirts because you know that's a cool thing to do. Uh, Paul Walker gives her a rose, but she says, "Oh, I can't accept it because of my boyfriend. He's crazy." And so Paul Walker's like, whatever, I'm fine with it. And then he eats the rose because that's a normal thing to do. And then the boyfriend shows up and he is crazy and he looks like he's like 35 and everyone else is 18. And he attacks Paul Walker and then there's a big fight and they grab each other's testicles and just hold them for a really, really long time. Like, too long. Like normal guys, yeah. Yeah, just a thing that... (laughs) Just like normal guys do, yeah. yeah. And they're in public? Yeah, they're outside of his okay. high school. Got it. And Billy, who's the crazy boyfriend or ex-boyfriend, is a violent gang leader and is then arrested and in front of all the police says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to come back here tomorrow and kill you. And everyone's like, eh, you know, Billy, that's just what he does. <laughs> no big deal. Whatever. <laughs> and then for some reason, we cut to uh, a mad scientist who has a robotic Tyrannosaurus. No explanation. Okay. Then we go back and uh, Paul Walker and Denise Richards are making out in her room. And then Billy shows up. Mm. And instead of calling the police, Denise Richards' parents are like, well, I'll have a talk to with these uh, 30 youths. Youths. And then they said, oh, I'll just tell them to go away. And then he opens the door and then all of them rush in. And there's it turns into a home invasion real quick. What? And then they uh, catch Paul Walker and they feed him to lions. Okay. That what, what? Where did the lions come from? I don't know. They just drive to lions. I think it takes place in California, but I guess there's a lion sanctuary in this town. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna stop questioning it. Cause... And then the mad scientist um, goes to a hospital, and Paul Walker is in a coma now. Oh yeah. And uh, he steals the body and takes the brain out and puts it in his robot dinosaur. Huh? Why? I don't know. Why wouldn't they have a real dinosaur in this movie? I don't know. Okay. Because it looks real. Right. This whole movie came about because the filmmakers had access to this dinosaur. And they're like, oh, that's pretty cool. Let's get a movie together real quick. And then this is what they came up with. Okay. This is very odd, but keep going. (laughs) And that's where the movie starts is um, Paul Walker's brain is now in a animatronic dinosaur. And does Denise Richards recognize him? Oh, well. Do they fall in love? (laughs) Is there a sex scene? Um, (laughs) All of those questions have very good answers. But I don't want to answer too much because I've given you the premise of this movie. Okay. But maybe what I could say is that there is, in fact, a scene of a dinosaur miming the phrase, I have your boyfriend's brain in me with his little T-Rex hands. I was going to say, how does a T-Rex do that? But okay. Uh, There's also a scene where people try on corpses as if it were like a makeover montage. That's super creepy. What was the last thing he said? Oh, do they have sex? Well, it's strongly implied, but I think it's for comedic effect, hopefully. Because why would he build a robotic dinosaur with like a a penis? 
Oh, it has a penis. No, I don't know. Mm, okay. Maybe. Yikes. I don't even know if T-Rexes did. Or do they have a cloaca system? I don't know. I don't know what that is. A cloaca? Is that uh, like how you fertilize eggs? Uh, yeah. Okay. Like birds have, well, I don't want to get too much into bird <laughs> biology, but they just kind of have a one multifunctional hole. Okay, that's called the cloaca. Gross, but it is. But good you know, to know. Normal for birds. Normal for birds. And the ultimate fate of Paul Walker's brain. I think you need to watch this movie to uh, to like be privy to what happens because okay. at the end, whew, I didn't see where it was going. Twist. I guess, but when you start off with brain in a robot dinosaur, I think you're starting off with a twist. So where do you go from there? Good point. I think. Um... That is uh, quite the ride this movie is going to take you on if you watch it. Yeah, so I highly recommend people out there go and watch Tammy and the T-Rex or Tanny and the Teenage T-Rex, whatever. (laughs) There are a few different cuts available because the first one, the PG-13 one that came out in the 90s, they had to cut out a lot of the gore because it is, it's very bloody. Huh. So if you find the new version, and there is, of course, a quality 4K restoration and Blu-ray that you can get. Is that what you watched? Great. Yes. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> it looks very good, and all of that blood is brought back into it. And it's a good time. It's a real sweet spot for me in a movie that is just completely nuts, but knows it a little bit, mm. but doesn't play like it knows it. Right. Because I don't like your, um, like, Velocipaster. You know that movie about the pastor that turns into a velociraptor? I do not, but oh. clearly this is a genre that I have missed out on. But that one, they know that it's bad, and they're kind of making fun of themselves. Oh. And you can't be too in on the joke, or else it's not as fun. Right. So like Denise Richards, for instance, doesn't she's not in on the joke. She plays it completely straight, and I love that, and it makes mm. it a better movie for it. So if you like movies about, um, you know, dinosaurs eating people, <laughs> if you like movies about lions eating people, uh, anything about eating people, really. Okay. This is a good movie for you. Good to know. So you can find it somewhere out there. I think in its less high quality versions, it's available for free, all sorts of places. Right. But for some reason, Paul Walker and Denise Richards don't talk about this movie a lot. And yes. I really think it should be more celebrated. It's also, I believe, directed by the same director as one of my favorite movies of all time, Mac and Me. So you know it's going to be good. Huh. Well, that tells me everything I need to know about <laughs> uh, this movie. Um, Paul Walker is dead, so that's why he's not talking about it. But I mean, he should have been uh, pitching it. Instead of doing all of those Fast and the Furious sequels, he should have been doing Tammy and the T-Rex sequels. Right, because yeah. that's clearly where his franchise gold lies. It should have been, because it, those are this is a better movie, I'd say. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the Fast and the Furious movies, but maybe we'll watch them someday. They're all right, and then they're bad, and then they're really good. That's what I've heard. Yeah, is some of them are actually kind of a lot of fun. Circle back yeah. to being good again because they get in on the joke and they stop treating it as seriously, right? And it's better for it. I think a lot of movies, like series that have many, many sequels, should do that. Yeah, and it's just a matter of time before all of those go to space, right? Like Leprechaun or Jason or Fast and the Furious. Did Fast and the Furious go to space? Oh no, spoilers for me. Okay, <laughs> but pretty much, yeah. Okay, cool. 
Well, thank you for introducing me to a movie that I now perplexingly want to watch. Oh, well, I'm I'm up for watching it again. <laughs> I just watched it the other night. And when you have something on late at night and you're not fully paying attention and then you have to go like, wait a minute, is that what I just saw? Yes. And then you actually get started yeah, watching it. Yeah. And, and then you're like, did I miss 20 minutes of this movie? Mm-hmm. And then you rewind. You're like, no, I'm totally caught up and I just have no idea what's going on. <laughs> Did that dinosaur just stomp on a car and squish a bunch of children and then their blood and brain shot out of their eyes like jam? Weird. Yikes. <laughs> oh, not children. They're like high school kids. Okay. So it's fine. Yeah. They're practically. They had it coming. They were a bunch of street toughs that- Oh, was uh, it the goons? Yeah, that fed someone to lions. <laughs> Still don't understand how the lions work into this, but okay. No, and I actually like rewatched that because like, clearly I missed something. Right. Like, how did they just get to lions? No, they just drove a car and dropped him off in a lion pit. Oh, okay. That's. I'm just going to accept it and move on. <laughs> that is the exact attitude you should have when you watch Tammy and the T-Rex. Quality filmmaking. It really was. And I think it's, it's It's a lot of fun. Check it out. <laughs> but Samantha... How about you? What have you been into this week? Um, I, once again, big surprise, have a book for you to read. A book with a good narrator in the audiobook? Um, yeah, it's narrated by the author. Okay. So it adds a level of authenticity because she has a the correct accent for it. Oh, good. Yes. So this book is called Taking Flight from War Orphan to Star Ballerina. Oh. Um, it is written and read by Michaela de Prince and her mom, Elaine de Prince, who I guess helped her write it because she is quite young still. Um, she is, Michaela de Prince was in a ballet documentary called First Position. And, uh, she basically is training to compete in, uh, the, the, American Grand Prix, which is, like, a huge dance competition um, that you have to, like, win your way into and then have to, like, qualify to go to the finals. Oh, I did not know about that. And that sounds like if there were a documentary about it, I'd be very interested. It is actually really good because you watch these kids who, like, some of them are very young, but they are so serious about ballet or dance or whatever kind of dance they're doing that they, um, this is, like, basically their Olympics the um, Youth American Grand Prix. So you have to get invited. And then um, because of your record at other competitions, you get invited. And then you basically have to go through like qualifying rounds. And then to get to the finals, it's a huge deal. And there's lots of um, like scholarships and um, all the big ballet companies send scouts and stuff. Is it just ballet or is it other forms of dance? I think there are other forms of dance. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Michaela is a ballerina. Um, and so she is like that that's her kind of dance. So uh she only did ballet on the documentary, I believe, but um she's done all sorts of stuff. Um So there is a documentary or do you mean the No, book? She, there is a documentary. Oh. She was in this documentary called First Position. Okay, but you're talking have you seen the documentary? I have actually. I saw it a couple of years ago. It's really good. It's really interesting. And from someone who grew up dancing and dancing very seriously, um, it's really cool to see like young kids who are like pretty much as serious as I was when I was young. And are there like age categories? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you'd only compete against girls your own age or skill level. 
Um, and so, yeah, so um, that's and the where... author of this book was in that documentary. Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, so you get well, to watch I want to her. check out the documentary. Yeah, I but think it's on Netflix, of... I believe. Cool, but tell me about the book now. So this book, I didn't know a lot about her background. And as soon as I started reading the book, I realized that she was the one from this documentary. Um, but I found this book. It was just kind of recommended to me on the library app Libby. And I um, like picked it up because I, I love dance and... I love um, books about dancing. So this book is a memoir of Michaela de Prince, who escaped war-torn Sierra Leone for the rarefied heights of American ballet. Oh, I actually know something about her, but I only know because I, uh, when I was in high school, was writing this report on Sierra Leone, and since then have kind of a, an interest in it and yeah. had been reading of any sort of good story to come from it because it was uh it was brutal oh it was just just completely horrific what happened there so this is a book for young readers um it's only 256 pages so it's not very long um but basically it follows Michaela um when she is dropped off at an orphanage by an uncle um who abandoned her after her parents died because he basically didn't want to take care of her. She has a rare skin condition um, that gives her kind of um, unpigmented spots. So they thought that she was kind of of the devil. Um, And so the kids at the orphanage were scared of her and the women who were very religious at the orphanage um, treated her like there was something wrong with her without even giving her a chance. Vitiligo? I believe so, yes. Yeah, and in many nations, people with albinism were often uh, killed and their body parts taken as good luck charms. Yeah. So there is a, uh, and already in Sierra Leone, there was a lot of... um, Arms and legs being cut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it was, I couldn't imagine how dangerous of a place it would be for someone like her. Yes. Yeah. So she is known as girl number 27. And she one day in like the middle of this war um, finds the cover of a American dance magazine that has a ballerina on it. And she keeps this thing for like safe like her only worldly possession and brings it to the u.s when um she is finally adopted with her best friend from the orphanage and brought to uh the usa and so she dreams of becoming a dancer and she um learns enough english and finally tells her family that this is what she wants to do so her mom enrolls her in classes and um, she ends up having this incredible career, um, of which she is still having, I guess, technically, because she's quite young. She studies at the American Ballet Theater in New York and is now dancing with the Dutch National Ballet's company. Um, and so she has like this incredible career and she really pushed herself to kind of make this lifelong dream come true. After kind of escaping a war and learning uh, English and coming and kind of assimilating into American culture. Wow. So does the book kind of cover her whole life and career up until this point? Yes. Yeah. So it was released in 2014. So I assume there are new things going on with her. But she is uh, kind of really well known from 
the ballet documentary that she was in, but also just from her like incredible origin story. So if you are interested in dance or uh, incredible stories um, about Sierra Leone and escaping your past, uh, you can check out Taking Flight from War Orphan to Star Ballerina by Michaela de Prince. That sounds super interesting. And since you said it is such a a quick read, maybe I'll even check that one out too. Yeah, it uh, it was a nice kind of quick read but it has such an engaging story that i felt like i couldn't stop listening to it and i also want to watch that documentary which was called first position yes there's a second little bonus thing of the week yeah a little bonus thing of the week well it is an ifc film um first position so you can probably find it for rent in many places but your library may also have it yeah check it out Check it out. And if we have any listeners who have uh, been a part of the Grand Prix, is it called the American Grand Prix of Dance? The Youth American Grand Prix. Oh, I want to hear all about that because that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I have uh, I knew about it a little bit from other things, but it's definitely something that is very interesting um, to me because it is this huge like countrywide competition system. Mm-hmm. basically and this is how if you're very serious about whatever form of dance that you're doing you basically need to get to their finals the east american grand prix finals in order to win scholarships or get contracts or get invited to like summer intensive programs because everybody sends scouts to see whoever is in the finals and that can kind of launch your career as a young dancer so our second ad sponsor of the episode is Rumi, and their Ask a Home Inspector program is so very helpful if you have cold drafts, flickering lights, or wondering where your leaks are coming from. And if you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home, Rumi's Ask a Home Inspector service can help. Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little do-it-yourself or when you might need to call in some professional help. You can visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. And we used Rumi to find a few of our contractors for our previous home renovations and we had very good experiences that we did and luckily in the last little while we haven't needed anyone exactly but when we do we know who to call when we do we know who to call and that's roomy okay andy what are we watching this week well i thought i would tie it in because do you know what's coming up pretty quick valentine's day also olympics the olympics and you and i both kind of get into it i I'm probably more of a all year long sports fan. Yeah. But you do love getting to oh, events that you normally it. wouldn't yeah. during Olympic times. Very much so. So I thought I'd go with something that uh, follows online with that because I think like the Olympics, we hear very similar stories every Olympics. Of course. And they work each time. We love underdogs. We love people overcoming adversity. We call it the Olympic spirit. We call it the power of sport. But it's just the belief that in this one aspect of life, if in nothing else, 
sheer determination and talent and skill can transcend everything else. That's kind of like what we love most about yeah, the Olympics. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to go with a movie that encompasses all of that, but also is in my top three movies for movies I've seen the most times. Really? Not and my favorite movies. And you don't rewatch movies very no. often. So this is a movie that I've seen, I, I don't even know how many times, but in a very literal sense, I know all the words to this movie. That is so unlike you. <laughs> I'm really interested to know what we're going to be watching. Because it has to have come out when I was a kid and would rewatch stuff. Right. Before because you became a little film snob? Perhaps. I think I always was. <laughs> but this is the heyday of the VHS. Ooh, I love a good VHS. We're going back to 1993. And you know what, Samantha? Enough people say they can't believe. Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. <laughs> we have the one Darice and the one Junior. Yul Brenna and the Mansenga. The fastest of the fastest of Jamaican sprinters. Go to Olympics, fight for Jamaica. I know, I know what we're watching. We're watching Cool Running. Yes, I'm so excited. Respect I due to the man Urfus. Somehow have not seen this movie. Yeah, which was shocking to me. And I, I like I've always known about it. I knew that there was a movie about the Jamaican bobsled team, and it's set in Calgary, right? Like the '88 yes. Olympics, which happened right before I was born. And Calgary is only a three-hour drive from us, so I'm like. Why? And we've driven by that bobsled track. We have. And why have I not seen this movie? Yeah. So I think you kind of summed it up there. Uh, this is the true story of the Jamaican bobsled team that went to the Olympics in Calgary in 1988. And of course, Jamaica, not known for its bobsledding because mm -hmm. there's no snow nor ice. Right. So... The idea was to get sprinters, which is still a tactic that is used today, to get sprinters and modify them to be bobsled pushers. Right. So they push, you get that great push start, and then you have a reliable driver who can drive you down the right. rest of the course. Do they jump into the bobsled? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. And that's why sprinters are good because they're very quick on their feet. Yeah. And uh, football players have also transferred over Ooh. to be bobsledders as well. Yeah, there's a like few sports that are very transferable from summer to winter Olympics. Yes. And track and field people tend to be people who compete in both. Yes. Yeah. So this movie, I could tell you kind of everything just off the top of my head because I've seen it so, so many <laughs> times. Um, it's directed by John Turtletaub. It came out in 1993. So I saw this movie at the Dollar Theater when I was like nine Oh, okay. And I remember going to see it. I remembered loving it then. Uh, the next Christmas, I got the VHS. Oh, and, that would have been huge. Yeah. <laughs> it was, and also literally, because it was a Disney one, so it had that big clamshell case. Right. So it had a big white plastic the clamshell plastic. case. Yes. And at the time, I'm not sure what beat the record, but it was the highest grossing live action Disney film of all time. Wow. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Of course, many things have come since then and uh, beaten it, but it was huge. And this was at a time where Disney was doing a bunch of other sports movies. I think Mighty Ducks was the year before. Okay, yeah. Angels in the Outfield might have been the year after, or they were all right around there. Right. So they were kind of getting into it. 
And this movie was one that was talked about for many years, script went through a lot of rewrites before it finally came out, and was quite successful for them. It stars uh, John Candy, mm-hmm. and this was the last movie he did before dying. Aww. He did, well, he did make other movies. This is the last one that came out in his lifetime, and then oh. two more were released posthumously. And you have a bunch of actors that I really love and don't have huge careers, but you have uh, Leon. Do you know about Leon? No. It's just Leon. What? He has a last name, but uh, he always just goes by Leon. And I loved him because he was in, um, well, I saw him in this first, but then he was in Above the Rim, which is another movie I loved, had a great soundtrack in 94. He plays Doris. You have uh, Dougie Doug, who (laughs) I talk to you about a lot. You do. Because I'm a huge Dougie Doug fan and everyone's like, why is his name Doug twice? But his name is Doug and then his middle initial is E and last name Doug. So he's Doug E. Doug. Um, I really liked him in uh, That Darn Cat. He was in that Cosby show for a while. He's in Eight-Legged Freaks. Um, yeah, again, maybe not the biggest career, but <laughs> I really liked him. I thought when they were remaking Little Mermaid, he was my pitch to be uh, Sebastian. I'd oh, like him to be the new Sebastian. That would be fun. It didn't happen, I don't think. But that movie still has to come out, so maybe maybe it'll be Dougie Doug. I think it was very delayed because of COVID, so I don't know what's actually happening with it. I'm sure Dougie Doug's available, is all I'm saying. <laughs> You're really pushing for him. I like it. Yeah. Uh, you had Malik Yoba as Yule Brenner. Malik Yoba, again, I'm sure nobody knows all these actors, but I've seen so many things with him in it as well. I was a big fan of the show New York Undercover, which mm-hmm. was in the mid to late 90s. He was also in Copland. He was in a few other things, but he did a lot of TV work. I thought he was uh, very good. And Raul Lewis as Junior. Uh, Actually, I don't know much about him. I'm sure he's been in other things, but I I don't know them. (laughs) So they're the main part of our cast. They are the bobsled team. And although the actual athletes are not really based on the actual people, they Uh kind of just took the idea of the Jamaican bobsled team Rather than basing each person on the actual person's right. real story. So there is some dramatic license, of course, but the story overall is pretty true. We'll talk about what's real and what's uh-huh. not. But one of the big things is that the actual bobsled runs that you see in this movie, it's actual footage from the Olympics. That's so So cool. what happens in this happens in happened in real life, with some exceptions that we'll talk about. That is so neat that they are using like actual Olympic footage and that like it's based on something true. I think that's so cool. Yeah. So the last movie I brought you that was one of my favorite sports movies based on a true story was Raging Bull. Uh huh. You didn't love that. Yeah, not really. So do you think you have uh, higher expectations for this one? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it is pretty different than Raging Bull. I think I am going to enjoy it. It's it's hard not to. <laughs> and do you have uh, knowledge of what happened with this bobsled team? How they did in the Olympics? I don't. Okay. What do you think, based on the type of movie that this might be? It's a. Do they win? Is it an underdog? Well, I think clearly they're underdogs. I That's think they're kinda... gonna win because they're like an underdog team and everyone else in the sport is like oh they're from sandy jamaica (laughs) 
So I think there's a very good chance that they could win. Okay. And there'll be some kind of glorious montage at the end. Oh, that sounds pretty nice. Yeah. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Well, we are going to find out, and you can find out as well, by watching Cool Runnings from 1993. It's available on Disney Plus if you subscribe to that. If not, you can buy it to rent on things like YouTube and Amazon. Or I know the Edmonton Public Library does have a copy with my sticker on it. And I do love when people (laughs) get it out, the DVD from the library, and they send me a picture with my sticker. I'm always a fan of that. You should put the podcast's Twitter handle or Instagram handle on it. So True. We, can tag it. we never uh, promote our Twitter and such. Really. What is it, Samantha? So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at I L T Y S and the number two. Uh, you can find us on Facebook with the search term I love this, you should too dash podcast. And you can email us at I love this, you should and the number two at gmail.com. And we love to hear from everybody. So please. Send us your uh, selfies with Indy's podcast or with his recommendation stickers or uh, tell us. Or just any, if you have the VHS copy, I want to see that. <gasps> yes, please send us pictures your of big white you clamshell. With, the, uh, with the VHS copy. Um, so yeah, please, we love to hear from you. All right. And we will see you back here next week to talk about cool runnings. And I'm... Super excited because I'm going through all the scenes already in my head. (laughs) And I am going to make a promise to you. I will not say any of the lines with the actors. Okay. There's one that's going to be real hard. Oh, there's like three that are going to be real hard. There's so (laughs) many good lines. And because it struck at such a good point, right? When like I got it when I was about 10 or so when VHSs were still real novel and you only have a handful of them so yeah. you watch them over and over again oh I remember that yeah Lion King probably got a good uh, good run too and the Ninja Turtles movie I had Lion King for sure I think I had Little Mermaid Beauty mm. and the Beast was a big right. one that I loved yeah once I stopped being scared of Beast oh yeah he was pretty pretty scary it was pretty scary well hopefully you won't be scared of Senka the coffee Seika Coffee. That's actually his name. Is it? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And it is tribute to uh, to the coffee. Because it's like a it's like an instant coffee that you like stir into hot oh, water, right? I don't know. I don't know anything about oh, it. But yeah. his uh, the character's name is Sanka Coffee. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, I don't actually know anything about this, but I uh, <laughs> I do know what Sanka Coffee is for some reason. So. And the coffee now is going to be your second favorite Sanka after you watch this movie. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to talk about it next week. Bye, everyone. Goodbye.